You know, men and women have given their lives that we could have these documents. And uh, it's amazing that we have these things. And why are we not intimately familiar with each and every detail of the life of this man who gave his life for us? We are going to learn details from the Gospel of John through the teaching of Michael Card today here on First Person. Welcome to this week's edition. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Great to have you listening. Earlier this year, we began a four-part series of conversations with Michael, and it wraps up now as we turn to John and what Michael Card calls the Gospel of Wisdom. We'll start and dig into the study here in just a moment. Each of the previous studies in this series are available to listen to online, and we'll place links to them at firstpersoninterview.com. That's firstpersoninterview.com. And then if you miss any along the way or want to go back and listen all over again, you'll be able to do so easily. Once again, go to firstpersoninterview.com. And a special thank you to the Far East Broadcasting Company who make this radio series called First Person Available. Learn more about FEBC at the same website, firstpersoninterview.com. Michael Card has written a series of books, one on each of the four Gospels in his Biblical Imagination series. And as we dive now into the Gospel of John, he starts by telling us about the author. We know a lot about John. Uh, we There's every chance that John is Jesus' first cousin. Uh, the, the way we come up with this is fairly complicated. In three different places in the Gospels, uh, the women... There are three women that are they're named. The first two were always given by name. The third woman is described three different ways. One place she's described as Salome. One place she's described as his mother's sister, that is Mary, his mother being Mary. And the third a place she's described as the mother of John. Mm. If that woman is the same person, mm-hmm. and I think she probably was, then John's mother's name is Salome. She's Mary's sister. And it's so they're John. cousins. So they are first cousins. Yeah. yeah. Which is remarkable. And and also, I think if you do the math, um, John is the youngest of the disciples. When he's there, he's 14, 15 years old. When he's standing before the cross, he's 15 years old, probably. Mm-hmm. You get this, if you, if you figure back, uh, one of the church historians, Eusebius again, tells us he lives into the reign of Trajan. That was 117. And if you if you do the math the way I want to do the math, he's 14 or 15. He's very young, which explains a lot. Mm-hmm. He's described as the beloved disciple? Yep, he's described as the beloved disciple, but he, that is not because we have these wonderful letters of him as an, you know, an, as an older, the elder. Uh um he he would never he's not claiming exclusivity. I think John would say that's the only kind of disciple Jesus has. Mm. It's just his way of hum, being humble and not saying who okay. he is. Right. He's always the other disciple. He okay. never names himself. Okay. Yeah. You were showing me a list a few moments ago yeah. of each of the gospel writers and their quotations of yep. of uh, Old Testament scripture and so on. Yeah, and it's this old yellow, you know, you, <laughs> you know. You did this in college. This is from my this is from my thesis. <laughs> Uh, it's page eighty to page eighty three in my thesis, <laughs> and what I did, you know, talk about a gospel, talk about a gospel geek. I went through the four gospels and I counted each time uh, they they quoted the law, the prophets, and the writings, the you know the the wisdom writings, mm-hmm. and you know Matthew, Mark, and Luke all you know Matthew quotes the law thirty three times, Luke seventeen times, John, uh, uh, um, Luke, I'm sorry, Mark, Mark uh, seventy times. Luke 20 times, John 10 times. Mm-hmm. And you go through and do the math. Um, 
Matthew, I'm jumping ahead. They all quote the, the law and the prophets frequently. Matthew only only quotes the wisdom writings uh, 18 times. Mark only quotes uh, eight times. Luke, big gospel of Luke, only refers to the wisdom writings seven times. John quotes the wisdom writings 27 times. Which means what? Which means one of the uniquenesses of John, John is 92% unique. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have the basic, have basically have the same outline. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark is 92% unique, and, and basically I just said, why? And what you find is Mark, Mark is, is basing his, his uh, presentation of Jesus on the wisdom writings. Now, another neat uh, detail, um, Mark, we think Mark, I mean, sorry, we think John was written around uh, 90. And one of the things that's happening in Judaism in 90 is that they are deciding what the canon of their scripture is going to be. One of the things we know from the Gospels is no one agreed in Jesus' day. You know, the, the priests only want the Torah, the first five books. The Pharisees want the, the Torah and the prophets. Nobody knows what to do with the wisdom writings. Okay, no one agrees. That doesn't happen until 90. Not until 90. And I think what happens is John knows. He remembers Jesus quoting the Psalms. Uh, a lot of the uniquenesses of of his memory of Jesus comes from the fact that Jesus was the fulfillment of the wisdom of God. But here's the tw- here's the twist: uh, the wisdom writings aren't about wisdom; they're about the inadequacy of wisdom. Oh, you know, okay. think just think about it. Uh, Ecclesiastes. I mean, what does he yeah. say about wisdom? Right. It's vanity. That was the smartest guy in the world said that. <laughs> right? It's vanity. Uh, the, 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 the Psalms, numerically, most of the Psalms are lamenting that the psalmist, in his wisdom, doesn't understand what God is doing. And so that's what we have in John. Every time Jesus opens his mouth, people misunderstand. Mm-hmm. The very last thing he says in 21 about John, the people misunderstand. And he prepares us, John prepares us for this in, uh, this in, the, in the prologue when he says, you know, the light shone, but the darkness couldn't comprehend it. He came to that was with his own. They couldn't understand him. And I think John, who is a 90-year-old to 100-year-old man when he writes this, very old, he's thinking, how do we miss it? You know, how do we miss it? So, yeah, yeah that's one back. of the uniquenesses yeah, of interesting. John. Uh, when you mentioned the uniqueness of John and how much material is unique in mm-hmm. John, I thought of the verse that talks about and many other things Jesus oh, did. Yeah. If if they were all told, the, oh. all the libraries of the world oh. couldn't contain them. Yeah, which I think is a reflection of Ecclesiastes because Ecclesiastes, Solomon says very dolefully, of the writing of books, there's no end. See, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. N- very negative. Mm-hmm. So I think he John has that verse in Ecclesiastes. He goes, oh. There could be no end of the books that you know we could write about this guy. And of course, that always kind of frustrating because what it indicates is that John knows a whole lot more, you know, than he's not telling. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but uh, I, I want to know those details. Yeah. Well, help us get to know John. We'll we'll talk about what John teaches us about Jesus in a few moments. Okay. But help us get to know more about John. Okay. Well, uh, you know, John has a brother named James. They are they have a fishing business. They are uh, kind of seem I think. Uh, loosely uh, allied with uh, Peter and uh, and his brother Andrew and Zebedee, so they're they're fairly uh, successful uh, fishermen. Uh, again, he's very young when he's first exposed uh, to Jesus. Uh, he never opens his mouth. Uh, I think it explains this business of him leaning up against Jesus. At the Last Supper, you know, if an adult man doesn't do that. Uh, he's a kid. And when uh, we read of him in Acts, every time John is mentioned in Acts, he's always with Peter. 
He's a companion to Peter. And never once does he open his mouth. So he is a person who is a very young person, has has seen and was part of everything that went on, but he was kind of, I think, off to the side, you know, as a young person watching uh, everything that was going on. So I, I think I think John was a remarkable man. And so now we have him 90 to 100 years old. Eusebius says he's 100, I think. Okay. Um and and yes, people did live to be that old, you know, in those in those days. I think Seneca lived to be a hundred. But um, now, what we have is is he's thinking back and think of this, Wayne. When you're when you're reading the Gospel of John, you know, Peter and Paul have been dead for thirty years. Yeah. He's the last living disciple of Jesus, you know, and you're I, sitting at his feet. Yeah. When I interview older people, I often ask them, "Does it seem like yesterday?" And they always say, "Yes." Very interesting. Okay, I got a question for you. Have you noticed that when old people, I mean, and I mean, I'm kind of like myself, <laughs> when I tell you about my past, it's always in terms of people. Do you Have you noticed yes, that? Yes, yes. Well, John does that. Think about this, and see, you already know this. John is the only gospel that gives us extended passages of Jesus talking with one person. Mm. You don't get that in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Mm-hmm. He doesn't do that. But mm-hmm. so what do you have? You've got Nicodemus. Nicodemus is the first one right? I thought you got of. you got the yeah. woman at the well. Yeah. you got the man born blind. You've got the guy who was lame for 38 years. You've got these long passages. And I really do think that's part of the function of being an older person. You realize the significance of these long discussions that Jesus had with people. Yeah. yeah. I just find that so interesting. Oh, I do too. Yeah. <laughs> I do too. And the, and the other the other little indications of how old he is. Uh, the one the one I like the most is uh, Resurrection Morning. You know the story. They run to the tomb. <laughs> yes. And he outruns Outrun, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know you read that and you go, John, who cares, right? Well, hey, I'm I'm a hundred years old. I haven't outrun anybody in a long time. But I outran Peter that morning. You know, you think, okay, that's a, that's an interesting little detail. Thank you for giving me that. <laughs> And we'll learn more from the Gospel of John with Michael Card coming up in the second half today on First Person. This program is listener supported through your support of the Far East Broadcasting Company. I'm Ed Cannon of FEBC with a word of thanks for your prayerful support of what God is doing through radio and media in many countries. For video stories and scripture that will encourage your heart for the Gospel, Please sign up for our 30-day devotional at firstpersoninterview.com. There's no obligation, and you'll be amazed at what you learn. Go to firstpersoninterview.com. Visiting with Michael Card today as we talk about the Gospel according to John. This completes our uh, study of the Gospels here and that coincide with the books that Mike has written uh, on each of the four Gospels. And again, Mike, thanks so much for doing this. It's been a rich year of study, and uh, I appreciate the opportunity You're very welcome. much. Yeah. I enjoy doing this. Uh, we've got so much more to talk about, John. We won't get it all in, no. I know, but let's, no. uh, let's, let's talk about John the Pastor. Yeah, that's. I think that's a piece that often gets missed because you know we believe he he's writing this from Ephesus. Of course, he he was uh, he was uh, exiled to Patmos. And he mm-hmm. had this vision there, the Book of Revelation, and then Domitian, who who exiled him there. Domitian dies, and then he comes back. Okay, so he doesn't die on Patmos. So he comes back to Ephesus, this place where he spent you know forty, fifty years being a minister. And you've traveled there. Oh yeah, I've been there. Um, and he and and he 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 writes this account of the life of Jesus, but 
I think what you have to understand is these are stories he's been preaching for 50 years. Not like Mark. Mark is writing down what Peter's saying, okay? But no, but 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 I think one of the uniquenesses of John and one of the reasons it's so elegantly put together is that this is the the material that he's preached and he's really resonated with. And and interesting to me is they're little blocks of little sermons and you don't get that in the other gospels. You know, obviously the prologue, you know, in the mm-hmm. beginning was a word. Right. That's preaching. Uh, but all, all through the first three or four chapters, they're little blocks, um, uh, one sixteen through 18, from the fullness of grace, we've received one blessing after another. That's him, that's Jesus, uh, That's John preaching. And the famous John 3.16 that everyone usually mm-hmm. has in their red-letter Bibles, I don't think that's Jesus talking, that's John preaching. Um, I'll, I'll look at that passage. Um, you know, Jesus has talked to Nicodemus, and... Uh, Jesus says, you know, we speak of what we know. We testify of what we've seen. I've spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. If, how then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? That's where Jesus stops, okay? And, and, and in the Bible I'm looking at, there's no paragraph break, but, but I'm, I think it's very clear the tone shifts, and John is preaching. He says, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. That's John talking, Talk about right? Jesus, yep. Yeah, and he's got the business of the Son of Man be lifting up, and uh, a little little farther down, ver- verse nineteen. This is the verdict: light is coming to the world. Well, that he's referring to the prologue. Mm-hmm. This is John preaching. This mm-hmm. isn't Jesus talking, and it doesn't mean it's any less authoritative because it you know it should not be in red. But the business of uh, you know for God so loved the world. That's John preaching. That I don't think that's Jesus talking. And he's been preaching that for fifty years. And I think that's that's one of the things that makes John unique. Wow. He tells stories that are funny. You know, the other Gospels don't do that. Remember the— what, what, What's one of those? Uh, well, the man who was uh, blind from birth who gets healed, and uh, uh, after, the, after the healing, the Pharisees are investigating the healing. And this poor little man has been dragged. He, he ends up being kicked out of the synagogue. He's actually the first person who ever gets kicked out of the synagogue because of Jesus that we know of. But at one point, they keep hounding him and keep hounding him, and he goes, you know, I've already told you, and you keep asking me, do you want to become his disciples too? Now, you're laughing. <laughs> yeah. People have been laughing well, at that for 2,000 yeah. years. It's, it's funny. We just read those as words on a page, but when you inflect them the way you do, oh, it oh, comes out. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and John, John is the only gospel that whispers. That's an interesting uniqueness of John. If you look at – I'm talking about parenthetical statements, statements that – are in a side where John is explaining things Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. Or Jesus' brother said this, not because they believed, that sort of thing. Uh, and I think in Luke, Luke has the most. Luke has maybe seven parenthetical statements. Mark has some. Mark is usually translating things from Hebrew for people. Uh, John has like 57 He's always, as an aside, explaining what people's motivations are. And again, I think that's a function of the fact that he's preached this all these years, and he knows when you and I need help. I mean, if he'd not told us that Jesus' brothers really didn't believe, we might have thought that they really did believe, Mm -hmm. and they wanted him to go to Jerusalem, but they didn't believe. They were mocking him. Hmm. An important part of your study of the the book of John has been this uh, idea of a certain motif, a motif of misunderstanding. Yeah. Yeah, talk about that. Well, again, I think this is a function of this old man who's looking back. I mean, just think, he's the last living disciple. Everyone's everyone's dead. Peter's gone, Paul's gone. And and here he is. Uh he must have been 
really revered, I would imagine, anyway. And so here he is, and as he looks back on the life of Jesus, it's reflected in his letters, too. One of the things he's still amazed at is that, that nobody understood. I don't. He kind of doesn't get it, um, you know, that Jesus came to his own and they wouldn't receive him, that the light shone, but the darkness couldn't understand it. You know, and you and I would say, well, of course the darkness didn't understand it. But I think there's something about John who saw him and heard him speak and realizes, you know, every time Jesus said something significant, it's not that people kind of misunderstood. They had no idea. You're way off. And, he, and they should have. I mean, Nicodemus, right? You must be born again. That That's from the book of Ezekiel, right? And, and, and well, it's in other places in the prophets, too, that God will, Jeremiah, will give us this new heart kind of thing. And... Nicodemus has no idea of what Jesus is saying. So Jesus says, you must be born again. What does Nicodemus say? Does a man enter his mother's womb for a second time? You know, and he just doesn't get it. And Nicodemus ends up saying, how can these things be? I just don't get it. Woman at the well, Jesus says, I'll give you water. You'll never be thirsty again. What does she say? It's because you don't have a bucket that you're asking me about water. You know, on and on. And then, again, the very last thing Jesus says in John in 21, uh, he, you know, Peter had made this reference to John. John's fault. He's tagging along like a puppy. Jesus and Peter are walking along, and John's walking behind him. And Peter looks back and says, what about him? And Jesus says, well, what is it to you if I want him to remain alive until I return? You follow me. And then there's a parenthetical statement. There's this little explanation. Jesus didn't say this because of this, but because of this, he's explaining it. So the very last thing that Jesus says in John is misunderstood. So he's the misunderstood Messiah in the Gospel of John. And this this uh, approach is after all these years of thinking about these things. Yeah, yeah. and 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 and, and as a as a result of being uh, a reflection of the wisdom writings, where in the wisdom writings, man cannot grasp the wisdom of God. And so I think if if Jesus had appeared and everyone had sort of gotten it, I don't think it would have been God's wisdom. You know, it's just he is so completely other. You only get Jesus via revelation, Mm -hmm. you know, the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, remember in in, in Acts— you know the Holy Spirit comes, and all of a sudden they remember these. Well, even John will say the at the at the the uh, um, triumphal entry. You know, they laid their coats on the on the ground, and they were waving the palm branches, and the, they did these things. But it wasn't until after the Holy Spirit came that they really understood that they had done these things to Him. You know, so. Um, and I think the application obviously is today. You know, you don't come to Jesus because you're smart enough to figure him out. He reveals himself to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started uh, this conversation today with John 21. Mm-hmm. I think that is my favorite uh, chapter really? in the book of John. I love that, yeah. Yeah, but do you have a favorite story or chapter or portion? Oh, John? gosh. I think probably um, it's two passages that are my favorite. Uh, the, the story of the man who was uh, lame for 38 years contrasted with the story of the man who was born blind, which is a whole chapter, basically. And I think what interests me about that story is uh, the man who was born blind, you know, Jesus puts mud on his eyes and sends him off and that sort of thing, gets healed. He gets healed in Jesus' absence, so he's never seen Jesus. And then there's this long story of all the things this man goes through. His parents won't stand up with him, and he gets kicked kicked out of the synagogue, and Jesus finds him and says, do you believe in the Son of Man? He goes, well, tell me who he is, and I will, because he's never seen Jesus. 
And Jesus says, you're seeing him. This is beautiful. Think of that moment. Oh, moment, yeah. <laughs> but what happens is this, this blind man who had never seen Jesus uh, really goes through this process of, he says, he, first he refers to him as a man. Then he says, well, he must be a prophet. You know, he speaks for God. And then he finally says, you know, if he's, if he's not the son of God, how does he say it? If he's not from God, he could do nothing, that sort of thing. So he goes through this progressive sort of having his eyes open to who Jesus is. And then the last thing he says is Lord, and he falls down in front of Jesus. You contrast that with the, the man who was lame for 38 years, who I don't like. He's, I think he's the most disagreeable person in the Bible. <laughs> he's sitting there, and, and everything he says is, is an excuse. Jesus says, you know, you know, why are you here or something? I forget what the exact question is. And he goes, well, you know, um, oh, Jesus learned that he'd been there for a long time. That's at 38 years. And, well, every time I try to get in the water, someone gets out in front of me. I mean, he's been there 38 years and he couldn't get in front of the line, that sort of thing. <laughs> and, uh, and Jesus heals him. He says, get up. He, do, he does not know who Jesus is. He does not know Jesus' name. But because of Jesus' authority, Jesus says, get up, you get up. And... Uh, and he doesn't know who Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus' names. The authority asks him, and he doesn't even know. He goes and finds out, gets Jesus' names, goes back to the authorities, and tells them it was Jesus that did it to him. And it gets Jesus in trouble. So I really don't like that guy. I, I called him a jerk one time in a Bible study, and a, there was a man there, a, a fine Christian man, who was very upset that I, I would call anyone in the Bible a jerk. But so I'm not going to use that term okay. anymore. We won't pin you down yeah. on that one. All but right. I don't like that guy. Okay. Uh, boy, I was, I'm just so sorry our time is gone. This yeah. has been so wonderful, not only today, but these previous conversations about these Gospels. The truth is we have all four Gospels. We have a more complete picture of Jesus. Absolutely. We have what God wants us to know through his word yep. about about Jesus. And they should tremble in our hands yeah. as we read them. You know, men and women have given their lives that we can have these, these documents. And uh, uh, I'm... I'm from the old school. I don't put my Bible on the floor. I don't put stuff on top of you know. I you know I don't bend it around backwards. I did that once in Romania, and everybody went nuts. <laughs> don't bend your Bible around. You know, b- break the back of your Bible. Yeah, uh, it's amazing that we have these things. It's respect and, for God's word. Yeah, and and why are we not intimately familiar with all? each and every detail of the life of this man who gave his life for us. That's the ultimate respect. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we do know more about the Gospel of John after spending these moments in conversation with Michael Card here on First Person. My thanks to Mike for his time and teaching not only today, but during this whole series. His four books, one on each of the four Gospels, are available, and we'll place links to them at firstpersoninterview.com. Michael has written a new book on the biblical concept of the Hebrew word hesed, and hopefully we'll get to talk about that early next year. Also, each of this year's Gospel Conversations is available for listening. Find the links at firstpersoninterview.com. The Far East Broadcasting Company made today's program possible, and I hope you'll learn how to support FEBC's mission of taking Christ to the world by radio and new media. Learn more about FEBC when you visit firstpersoninterview.com and sign up for the free 30-day online devotional. You can register online at firstpersoninterview.com. Next week, we'll get to know pastor and author Skip Heitzig. Now, with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us again next time for First Person. 